I'll swallow your soul! Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode number four of Coffins and Coffee with Dave and Ophelia. And for some of you who uh, celebrate this kind of holiday, at the time of this recording, we just had Easter. And in California, at least, unfortunately, Jesus came back and saw his shadow. So we have four more weeks of quarantine. <laughs> How are things going with that quarantine life down under? Down under. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nah, she's, uh, she's fucking all right, eh? No. It's, I think I said this in the last podcast, it's still pretty much business as usual here because um, our, our prime minister is a fucking idiot and I don't think is taking as many precautions as he should be as far as this sort of stuff goes. Have you guys had very many? I mean, I know up in Sydney you guys are getting like a ton of cases, but like where you're at in Brisbane, have there been, has there been much of an outbreak because it's relatively contained? Um, I think they've got it pretty contained. I want to say there's like, there was 600 cases. Let's have a look. I'm going to double check this. I'm going to fact check myself. Okay. While you fact check how many cases there have been in the Brisbane area, I'm going to take this time to give a little shout out to Blackheart Coffee, which always seems to get me up and ready to go, ready to do this podcast and the Grindhouse podcast and whatever other projects I have happen to be piling up on me while I'm sitting around at home doing a whole lot of nothing. So shout out to Blackheart Coffee. Get yourself a blend. I don't know if they're still mailing it out, but the moment they do, grab yourself one because it's awesome. And it always starts the day right and totally gets, me, totally gets me in the mood for doing podcasting. Get caffeinated, beach. <laughs> so did you find out how many people uh, are, are people walking around in plague mask there yet? Is it, <laughs> is it pretty normal? I fucking wish. Oh, my God. It's like all my BDSM fantasies. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, Australia as a whole, we've only had 6,400 cases, so. Which is, I mean, relatively speaking, very, very low. Yeah, you guys, I mean, America, and like, bearing in mind, though. This is, this is full-on cases, right? Not deaths. This is every case. So we've only had 6,400 cases. Um, bearing in mind as well, like, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, Australia is the size of North America. Like we're not Very close, a, yeah. Like we're not a small country, so the fact that we've got six thousand four hundred, and you'll have six hundred and twelve thousand. Well, you, your population is quite a bit smaller, even it if your landmass is the same size. There is only really Mad Max type people running around in the middle of your country. It's just one barren wasteland. I mean, and bush. I wish it was Mad Max times. I'd be fucking ready. In so in my region so i'm basically um we're like the the metropolitan area i guess we've got we've right. had like and brisbane is in the state that i'm in in queensland brisbane is like one of the biggest cities so we've only had in like my metro north metro south which i think is what they classify as like my sort of area i think we've had a, active cases at the moment We've got 331. Wow. So that so all things considered, that's really great. So hopefully yeah. that maintains and you guys flatten that curve pretty quickly 
And then hopefully it allows you to travel sooner than later. Oh, hopefully. I mean, it, everyone's been pretty good about it. We did have uh, an episode the other week. I think I briefly touched on it in another podcast, but we did have an episode where this fucking methed out gronk came into work and projectile snotted on one of our staff. Oh, yeah. She did mention that. Yeah. That's always good times. On purpose. It was pretty good. Yeah, I had to venture out into the grocery store today, and there was a, a man who, a gentleman, who was being asked to leave because he had no protection on, no mask, no nothing, and he was screaming at all the tellers about there not being enough of uh, his particular ethnicity represented in the teller line, and he was very angry, and and uh, he was asked to leave. So their crazies will always be around. Um, that's just sort of par for the course. Unfortunately, an epidemic does not um, does not curve people being a little nutso from time to time. But who knows what their situation is behind the scenes? So we can only assume that they're probably going yeah. through some through a pretty hard time and uh, probably having facing mental health issues uh, and who knows what else. And, th- and this is a, a particularly scary time for those people because um, certainly disease is already rampant amongst. The homeless population so you know hopefully this thing gets gets squashed sooner than later because those are the people who get affected the most you know as obnoxious as they may be and as potentially dangerous as they may be uh we you never know what the situation is behind that right just stay the fuck at home just don't go yeah, out yeah stay at home stay 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 settled as much as you can and in keeping with our tradition every episode i have a little bit of magic to share with everyone. A tarot card. Indulge me. A tarot card. <laughs> yes. So today's the today's the the episode tarot card for today is the three of cups. Now, again, I'm using the Rider Waite uh, card deck for our readings, and what you have in this photo is three ladies all sort of raising their cups in the air. Um, one lady cloaked in white. One lady cloaked in red. The other one appears to be sort of an orangey red color. And what they each represent is sort of uh, the different parts of ourselves. You have your purity with white, um, ambition with red, earthly material things in, in the orange. And what cups represent in the tarot is um, emotion. It is the emotional, sensitive part of ourselves. It's the creative part of ourselves often. And if you look at the photo, they're, not only are they raising their cups up, but the arms are sort of intertangled. So... It's kind of hard to see whose cup is who. And what this represents is that um, it is in groups. It is in um, gatherings of like-minded people or our friends or our family that we are able to celebrate the everything that we have achieved, right? Uh, it is It is through community that we are uplifted, like these cups are uplifted above their heads. It is by surrounding yourself with the right people that we're able to fully rejoice in all the things that we have. Now, why I think that this is incredibly relevant to us now is that for most of us, we are trapped without that. That's the very the very nature of what has been cut out of our lives where we attempt to flatten this curve of this pandemic. So what does that have to do with us and our current situation if we are not able to be around those people that we most love? I think it's a reminder that it's important for us to find a way to continue to connect with those people. And while certainly, as we said said at the top of the show, stay at home, 
you know, we were able to, we, you know, our friend Carl asked us how we were able to do this podcast when we we're halfway across the world from one another and sound like we're in the same room. We're just using the technology available to us. And it's not, it's frankly, it's not very expensive technology. I mean, we use Audacity to record uh, two tracks, uh, each in our individual locations. We put them together, you know, do a little wizardry with uh, the settings and boom, there you go. Um, but we were able to take this opportunity and we've been honestly since the advent of our relationship, we've always had to use technology to stay connected to one another because we physically have not been able to be around each other nearly as much as we'd like. And so use this card as a reminder today when you're listening to this podcast that even though you may be quarantined and even though you may feel very lonely now more than ever, is it important to connect with friends? So get on a Zoom call, use FaceTime, Facebook Messenger, Google Hangouts, fucking Live Journal, whatever you got to do, the tweeter, you know, whatever you need to do to connect with someone else, especially, and this is the most important, people who are good for you, right? People who are healthy for you, who uplift you, who support you, especially your creative endeavors, right? And your emotional well-being. Get around those people, connect with those people in whatever manner is available to you and keep those bonds strong because hopefully at the end of this, when we get to the other side, uh, we'll be able to do this in person with one another. We'll be able to rejoice having gotten through this uh, with bonds that are hopefully a little bit more deeply rooted and a little bit more nurtured than maybe they were before when we had a ton of distractions in front of us. So that's the card of this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoying this, enjoying and indulging me in my magic endeavors, and uh, and hopefully it, it helps set the mood for the week. I'm still caught up on the fact that you mentioned Live Journal. Does that still exist? I don't think it exists. <laughs> but we did one of those things on Facebook where it was like, remember where you met me? And um, one of my friends from Texas was like, Live Journal. And I was like, I don't even remember that, but cool. We used to have a Sick. one of these days. One of these days, I'll have to find the old. Um, so my old band giving you a pistol. We went on tour, uh, like a little mini tour. I think we hit like three cities. We did like three shows, but it was all over the state of Texas, which for those of you who are familiar, Texas is huge. And even doing three concerts as spread out as they were was a tour for us. So we let I think we, we might have played a show. I'm trying to remember, I don't, I don't remember if we played a show in Corpus before we left, or if we just left Corpus, and our first show was like in San Angelo, which is like North Central Texas. Um, and then we hit Dallas. We played a disastrous show, uh, where I was also some drunk milfy lady asked me if I was the singer for Lit. This she just said yes. Two thousand, two thousand one. I don't remember what I said. You have to ask Jason. I think he was with me. Um, uh, Jason of the Regrettable Century. So listen to that podcast also if you want to get smarts about marks. Um, but then we went. So that was a bad show because everyone's tuning was off. And it was just sucked. Uh, luckily, we were playing Metal Course and so no one could tell anyway. And then we went from <laughs> Dallas, which is like northern Texas, all the way further south than Corpus Christi to the border, which is like a 14-hour drive or something like ridiculous like that, down to um, – Laredo, which was a great show, which was rad. We played in some warehouse and people threw a football around. Remember, you got mad at me for hardcore dancing. People mm. were literally playing football in the pit. It hardcore was awesome. Dancing is so fucking dumb. It's so oh, fucking it's, dumb. 
why is that dumb and, and metalhead dancing is not where you just run into one another? No, it's all fucking dumb. It's all stupid. Fucking. No, it's awesome. No, little aggression out. No. Everyone takes care of one another. You pick each other up. It's all good. It's all good fun if you do it right. Yeah, it's super but, fun if you punch your so, buddy in the face and be like, sorry, bro. You never. I, I never hit a friend in the face. Not once. If you do it correctly, you don't. Because in a real hardcore scene, everyone kind of gives each other proper space to do your thing. You know, you might accidentally have some collateral damage, but that's no more. This, I mean, in traditional mosh pitting, you had slam dancing where people legitimately just ran into one another. If you go to a punk rock show and you do a circle pit where everyone's running in one direction, like I see people get trampled all the time. So as far as pit stylings go, I find that hardcore dancing has rendered far less injuries than traditional mosh pitting. It's because we're not in them anymore. We're too old. We don't know what happens in there. I can only speculate. I was in there like once. Black hole I, of At one bodies. point, I, rem- I remember it. I, I did okay. Mm. But um, but somewhere somewhere this tour is chronicled on LiveJournal. So maybe next episode, I'll try to dig it up and find it. It was written by Jason of the Regrettable Century. Oh, and, we um, do that. So Let's he documented. Dig up like our old- should, we, should I just find it now? No, we'll do it in the next podcast. Next I'll dig up. Okay. I'll try and dig up my old MySpace. Oh, <laughs> I don't think mine exists anymore. I've looked. But but somewhere I know the Giving You a Pistol live journal still exists. I know I've seen it semi-recently. I think it literally only has like the three or four posts that were, that composed this tour. One in each city. Um, <laughs> pretty much one for each. Because that was a whole thing. And I think, I don't know. I don't, we'll read it. We'll find it. We'll read it and it'll be a good time. But, um... Speaking of music, right after last episode, you know how the episode before I got to do an unboxing on the air and I had my cool little succulent plants, but uh, my succubuses, as I like to call them. Succubus plants. My succubus (laughs) plants. But right after we finished uh, recording, I walked outside and I got a package, which unfortunately we'd already stopped recording by then, but I want to talk about it this week because it's super cool. And that is Danzig Sings Elvis on vinyl. It is choice. It is so good. <laughs> 10 out of 10 For anyone, splorches. Oh, all the splorches. Splorches within splorches. Interesting. Uh, splorches, splorches docking. That's how good this album is. It's so many people may not know this. Some of my closest friends do. My favorite Misfit song is American Nightmare, which is a song that they do kind of in a rockabilly styling. I think it was only on Legacy of Brutality. And I don't even think it features like any of the Misfits. I think it's really only Danzig that sings on it, even though it's recorded for a Misfits album, because I'm almost positive Eerie Vaughn played bass on it. Maybe maybe some other members, but I, it was probably a re-recording. But, um, so I put that album on. I was kind of listening to it today. And it is... We've seen Dan. How many times have you seen Danzig in total? One, he doesn't fucking come here, like, ever. Oh, wow, you only saw the one time with me? Yeah. Oh, well, I've, I've seen him now, um, including the Misfits shows that I went to, probably about five times, maybe. Oh, I shit. think the very first time I, yeah, I think the first time I saw Danzig was on the Eilis Safiri tour. All right. They actually came down, yeah, they came down to Corpus Christi. I do not remember who they toured with. But this was when Danzig was rocking those big vinyl, like, 
like uh, elbow length gloves with like the spiky thing. Oh yeah, you remember that? <laughs> yes. This was like a, the kiss the kiss the girl kiss the skull era. Yeah, Danzig. And I remember I'm such a fucking geek. <laughs> I I put the metal horns out and Danzig put the metal horns out and our fingers touched. You docked so with Danzig. I docked with Danzig. Oh my! It was God. fucking awesome and it was super cool. And I would share. I never washed those two digits from then on. My my right hand has been empowered with the Dark Lord, the Dark Elvis. I thought that's uh, what I was feeling. Dark crooner, as it were. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's why I <laughs> use those two fingers. I know it was kind of weird and awkward, but that's some magic in damn hills. But um, I saw him then, and then I saw him again um, on the Blackest of the Black tour, which was actually just a concert. Now he doesn't actually tour it anymore. But that was super cool. And I was like, fuck. And this is year. I mean, you know, Ice Lucifer Fury was like 2007. So this was way after the fact, like 10 years later. And then and then we saw him together with The Damned, which yeah. was super awesome. And then I've seen him twice with The Misfits, so about five times in total. Plus, I was at the premiere of Verotica, which is mm. awesome, with friends and a lot of drinking and drugs. Um, <laughs> and he was in person. But my point is, is that in all the times that I've seen him, especially over the years, right? My, my biggest come away is that he still has, he's still crazy on stage. I mean, for a guy at his age running around, like this is Mick, Le- Mick Jagger levels of, of uh, energy. Right. Right. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't skimp on the performance. And oftentimes he'll just ask the crowd like, Hey, what do you want to hear? You want to hear off something off of Danzig two? And then he'll just play a song off Danzig two. But his low register has definitely come to get a little gravelly over time. Right. Oh, you know, definitely. He's got, he, he's got a little bit of that scratch going on. And and so when I heard that he was doing Elvis songs, I thought, oh, I don't know. Like, he could still belt them out with the best of them, but Elvis kind of requires a little bit of finesse, you know? Requires a little bit of a, a soul. And I don't know if Danzig has a soul, but apparently he does. And it's great. And I was really impressed by that. You heard one song, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's some on YouTube. I think someone's ripped the the record to YouTube, but there's only the one. It was actually funny because um, we only discovered this album like what a month ago. Yeah, something like that. I was in Atlanta yeah. at the time. I think. Oh, that's right. Because I was looking for that album that I bought you. The um, we can talk about it. I've since received it. The Son of Sam album. Yeah, so that's what we were, we were talking about, that album, and then that came up in your suggested products, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a fucking Danzig Sings Elvis album. Um, but it's funny because they released a track of it as a new release on Spotify on Friday. <laughs> so well, I think the album I think the album was a pre, pre-order, and I just received it last week it? when we recorded. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't out. Mm. It was, a, it was technically a pre-order, so that's why it is probably... Although it's a bit odd that they only released the single. Yeah. Um, but frankly, that's kind of smart also, because think about it. He releases it on vinyl, which I'm sure it's somewhat limited. And then he releases a single after the vinyl is available on Spotify. Get you get your little tingling. Get your little wet, little, a little, audible, a little uh, musical foreplay. <laughs> you know, using those magical digits, and then you go and you buy the vinyl for the rest. Um, so that's a brilliant strategy, actually. So what's weird though? I'm just looking online. 
And it says it's not out till the 24th of April. Maybe only the pre-order was. Maybe only if you pre-ordered it, you got it early. That just seems or weird. Or maybe it's not available. I don't think it is. I mean, maybe if you pre, maybe if you pre-ordered it within a certain window, you got the vinyl, but the the digital album may not be released till the twenty fourth. Fuck, I don't know. It just seems weird. It seems like counterintuitive. Either way, to have a release date and then no, release it not, actually, two weeks early. Actually, really not because you you make it available for if you want it really bad. If you're like a Danzig aficionado, right, and you really want to get that Danzig album, you can either wait ten more days. To the 24th, although by the time we release this, it may be past the 24th. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. What's it, what day you is could it? Wait till the 15th. 14th. Yeah, that's it. we'll be close. Uh, in fact, let me just look at this real quick. Yeah, okay. So at the time of this release, this album comes out Friday. But, um, or yeah, it comes out tomorrow. The time of this release. At the time of this recording, this album comes out tomorrow. But I think it's amazing that I was able to get the album like a week and a half early because it encourages you so you don't want if you don't want to wait to go buy the physical album versus cuz like you know you know how it goes like even if unless you're the biggest fan of a band oftentimes people will wait oftentimes once it comes out digitally your your impulse to go buy the physical copy diminishes right mm. even if you have every intention of doing it just by nature of the fact that like life happens and you can just put it on on your Spotify at any time, it just it just becomes less of a, a priority to buy physical copies. I mean, I I almost never use physical copies unless it's vinyl. Yeah, I'm, so I think I'm kind is, of the same unless it doesn't come out on vinyl. But I like to own stuff. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. right. It's just you can put a space issue and have you, but um, but you know the reality of it is like with like with iTunes for example. Um, you never own the album. You essentially lease the album. Yeah. Or you 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 are a part of their leasing of the album. But if that album, if its leasing period ends and that album comes off of iTunes or Spotify or whatever, you, that's gone. You've lost it. You don't get your money back. You don't get a digital download of it. It's just poof, gone. Yeah, unless so it's still value. and then you just get that whether you fucking want it or not. Yeah, well, <laughs> you 2 has got that Joe Biden sense of uh consent right where it doesn't really apply to them but um you uh, two is the uncle creepy sleepy joe of the uh of the pop rock world but what did you think i mean you for, at least with the one song that you heard what was your thought on the danzig song that that's available currently it it didn't fucking sound like danzig like i mean if you listen hard enough, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I see it. But it's like, if that song was released, I would have just thought it was just an Elvis cover by a guy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I would give it a little bit more credit than that. I mean, I think it's pretty well done. Oh, no, it's great. It's I'm not a- saying it's not great. I'm just saying, like, his, like, his voice is very croony and it sounds very, very Elvis-esque. Yes, and I think one of the things that we had talked about before we started recording, which I like a lot, actually, is that there's a lot of reverb on his voice. Yeah. Which may have been done out of concern of his ability to maintain lower registers and and softer, um, a softer singing style. Because it is sung, a lot of the tracks are sung at a very sort of like, I don't want to say ethereal, because I don't think that's the right phrasing but it's definitely sung 
it's what I like to call beer drinking music, like sad right. beer drinking music. Like you put it on, like he ain't yelling it out or anything. He ain't doing his, ain't doing none of that. There's no words. This is like, no, this is like heartbroken Danzig. This is like sad Danzig, right? Which should be a meme. Um, where he's just sort of singing, drinking burr, and lamenting about love lost, right? In the, in the stylings of Elvis, in the key of Elvis. And um, so I think the reverb really helps with his voice and his ability right. to hold at that level. But the other thing is, like, if you... Like when I was in college, for example, I got the ability to take a course as a real college course, which was the history of rock and roll. And it was the professor, the unofficial professor was this guy, Clifford Antone, who used to, he's since passed away, but he used to own um, Antone's, which is a very popular blues and, well, blues and rock bar. And he really kept a lot of those old blues guys like Muddy Waters and B.B. King. He kept their careers going because... They had no other place to go when the the scene kind of died out, and he was a dude that loved it, and he just kind of always gave him a place to play in Austin, Texas. But um, we learned, you know, one of the very first things we learned was like the Sun the Sun recordings, where Elvis, the label that Elvis was originally on, and we listened to a lot of those old recordings. And back in those days, it wasn't like now where everything's digital and it's all tracked separately, and there's layers and layers and layers of of vocals applied. Um, oftentimes everyone was in the same room, everyone was mic'd and you just played. And so that's why in those early Elvis albums, you get that sort of echoey sound, right? Cause he's not in a sound booth. He's in a room with his other bandmates and it's, and the room reverberates as such. And so I think that the, the sort of the reverb on his voice and the more acoustic styling of the music really helps sell that aesthetic. It's a, it's almost like an intentional lo-fi aesthetic, but also probably likely masked some of the deficiencies he may have just gathered over age. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. What what are like some like you know how I feel about covers. We've had this conversation many times. It's pretty fucking you, rare. You like the covers off and the lights <laughs> on. The lights on, dim down. Yeah. A little bit at least. But like No way. Spotlights. <laughs> What what's like your because I I I feel a certain way about a lot of covers, but there's some that I like. Like what what would you what do you, what's your favorite cover song? Well, I think oh man, favorite covers. It's, it always depends. Like I, it's really hard always for me to pick a favorite. song. What's the first one that came to you? But mind? um, well, well, let me do this first. I I first think what makes a great cover song, right? And to me, it's two things. It's authenticity. And it's originality. Right. It's hard to take someone else's song, feel true to the meaning of the song, but make it your own. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, the old pop punk styling way of doing it would just be to speed it the fuck up. Speed it up and sing it snotty. Boom. Cover done. Um, Or in more recent times, especially with female fronted bands or singers, you get that slowed down version, right? You get the acoustic version. Um, there, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but there's this French singer who did a bunch of covers. And she's not on my list, actually, but uh, if I could remember her name, I would have added it. But she did a cover of the Rolling Stones' You Got the Silver. It's like Carla something. It's fantastic. It's just beautiful, beautiful song, right? So I always look for those two things. So I couldn't come up with a favorite song. So I kind of made a, a top five. 
if that's okay, okay. of like songs that I just think of fucking awesome covers. So uh, the first one, which I think will be of no surprise to anyone who knows me, is AFI's Just Like Heaven. That was going which, to be one of the first songs I said, so thanks. Which I don't even know if they recorded. Did they ever record it? Was it just that live performance? I think, I think it was just that live performance, but my God, fucking Robert Smith in that fucking crowd was everything. Oh my God. His little face. I know it was wonderful, and they did a they did it they did such a good job of covering the song, and it's so true. It keeps that 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 whimsical, romantic air that was like so prevalent in the eighties, you know. Yeah. But at the same, that the new romantic styling, but at the same time, take a shot every time I say styling in this podcast. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very much AFI. Right. And uh, a little tidbit, Marta from Bleeding Through played keyboards during that live performance. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Mm. So I think they did a great job. What about you? What's what's like a cover song that you love or like springs to mind? Um, well, so we all know AHA's Take On Me, right? Yes, have, I'm a big, that's our song. Right. Have you heard their cover of their I've own heard, song? I have heard version. every, I have heard every version of that song that is possible. You and love- yes, I watched, I watched Deadpool too. I have heard the sad ass acoustic version of that song. So when that song was released, right? So they brought that song to the table for like their record label and it was supposed to be a slower, more somber song. Oh, really? Yeah. And they basically said, like, no, we need a hip hop song. We need a pop, a hip upbeat pop song. They sped it up and made it sound more cheerful, and that was the baby that was birthed. Now, if a band does an acoustic version of their own song, is that considered a cover? I don't know. I'm calling it a cover. Fair enough. Correct. All right. Who are we? Who are we to argue with the mad cunt herself? Right, Ophelia. I'm gonna bleep that part. No. So it's fine. Um. I mean, you could do, we could make a whole list just on amazing Take On Me covers. Weezer did a fantastic version of it most recently on their Teal album. I say most recently, I don't know when that album came Real out. Real Big Fish? Somewhat recently. But next on my list is Real Big Fish's Take On Me, which is so, and remember when I mentioned at the top of the, at the, at the top of the sort of conversation, how the, the pop punk stylings, take a shot, it was just to speed everything up. Yeah, right. Well, if you were a ska band, you applied that same idea, but you added horns with yeah, it. Yeah, right. And there's just <laughs> there's something so um, I don't want to say like like it's got such a it's got it just takes the energy of the original and it really ramps it up, and it kind of reminds me. Like whenever I hear the real big fish version of that song, like if the original was like, you know, like you've seen the music video, right? right. You got the singer and he's got the hair and it's kind of got the power mullet thing going and he's like a power you know, mullet. Squint- yeah, he's like squinting, <laughs> like the eighties power mullet, not like Carl, like not like a Carl mullet, but like you know, like just a fringe mullet, right? Like just <laughs> just a little mullet, like a little wild, kind of like you know, kind of like fucking oh, kind of like the Julia from Hellraiser. Right, okay. All right. There you go. Nikki Six had a power mullet. No, see, Nikki Six had a whole like Nikki Six has eighties hair. 
You know, he's got like but that it hair was metal a hair. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking more like like um, like David Hasselhoff in Knight Rider. Oh my you know, god! Where it's not like it's not like a super long. Like you couldn't put that the 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 back in a ponytail, but it was just long enough to let you know that like you don't conform to the rules of society. You right. know, you you're like a you're like a person living on the edge. So that was like the singer for Aha, but with Real Big Fish, it's more like if Ducky from Sixteen Candles. Or like um, uh, Ethan Emery from from Can't Hardly Wait, or or Screech was trying to win the affection of someone, you know. Right. It's got that sort of nerd. It's got like that big nerd energy going behind it, but it's also very sweet. Right. And I love that because I can identify that with that way more than I can a power mullet. So uh, real big fish have real big nerd romantic energy in their version of Take on Me. What about the AFI cover of this is another AFI one of Halloween? It's good. I like that a lot. Um I think it's not quite as good as Demonomania, but uh it's great. I mean as far as actually actually if you're if we're just talking about like the what like the best uh AFI like the best song that AFI covered or their their best rendition of a cover song, I think would probably be Hanging Garden, which is another cure song. Which is on the AFI EP. Really so good. It's really, really good. They covered Ziggy Uh, Stardust as well, didn't they? Uh these live, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh that's good though. That's a really good one. Um I would also keeping in the theme of Elvis, I'd have to I know it's a little early for Christmas, but we may not be out of this quarantine until Christmas. So I one of my the, one of the things that always makes that always makes my um my Christmas playlist no. is br- is be quiet. Let me finish my it's my list <laughs> is Bright Eyes Blue Christmas. It's just sombering and sad and it's depressing. And for some people, we spend Christmas by ourselves. And if you just want to lament your loneliness with a man from Omaha, Bright Eyes' Blue Christmas is as as authentic an honoring of the original song as it is Connor. What's his name? Connor something? What's the singer for Bright Eyes' name? Connor Oberst. As it is Connor Oberst's expression of loneliness and melancholy. See, I was saying no, because I thought you were going to motherfucking say fucking My Chemical Romance's cover of All I Want for Christmas is You. And I'm like, if I never hear that fucking song again, it'll be too soon. Like, No, see, I listen, I love MCR. I love MCR. But I actually don't think that's a great cover. No, but see, you because love I Mariah think- Carey. Well, sure. Who doesn't? Clearly, Queen. <laughs> yes. Um, but see, they just did like the punk pop, the punk, uh, pop punk version of the song. They just sped it up and kind of got snotty with it. Um, to me, that's fine. But that's just like eh, I, I just expected more. You know, if you're gonna the, like, if you're gonna just speed it up and get snotty, then you got to go with Sid Vicious's "My Way." Yes. Because. Yes. That, it never got better than that. Like, just the idea of speeding up a song 
and doing it with snotty punk vocals. It never got better than Sid Vicious is my way. So you might as well do something else. Yeah, I did karaoke to that song once. At I don't even know how we ended up there. It was some really shitty, I guess what you guys would call like a sports bar. Like we yeah. somehow what ended you guys up call there. Them? Like somehow ended up there with friends one night after drinking. And we're like, oh, what can we do for karaoke? And like somehow that song was on there. I don't know whether it was an accident and they didn't mean to put was it, it in the, there. It was the Sid Vicious version? The Sid Vicious version. I'm like, fuck yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I did that and then I got two free shots at the bar. As well you should. Yes. Because I said stylings. Um, another good one. Is, again, if you want to keep in the, I guess the rest of mine are kind of sad. Um, Smashing Pumpkins cover of Fleetwood Mac's Landslide. Yes, I fucking hate that just, song. You don't you don't like that song? I like, like that the song, song in all. general. I hate it. Why? Because it's fucking it's an amazing dumb. song. It's what is it? What is it's it's a beautiful song about someone realizing that life passes them by, like life moves on. You know, it's the journey of life. Yeah, cool, but it, it sucks. I hate it. But there's nothing that sucks about a Fleetwood Mac song. Period. You're wrong on this. No. Moving no. on. What else you got on your list? It's terrible. Fuck. Terrible I don't take. Know, man. Every fucking no effects cover they've ever ever done is amazing. Wait, what's what's a no effects cover? I can't, I'm trying to even I don't I can't even They've done no fucking heaps. They've done heaps. Listen, I kind of did stop listening to no effects like when Punk and Drublet came out. Um no effects so have always been, been awesome. They're always amazing. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I kind of got it at that point. Let's have a look. Okay, well, while you're looking at that, I'll do my last one since you're doing some internet searching. Um, talking about the, talking about that that uh, when female singers take songs and kind of slow them down. The best the best version I've ever heard of that sort of approach to covering a song was was Lord's uh, "Everyone Wants to Rule the World." Yeah, which is which is not only slowed down, but it's not slowed down to sound pretty. It's actually slowed down to sound creepy and haunting. Yeah, right. And and her sort of very unique voice really lends itself to this dark dystopian version of the song. Whereas like the original Tears for Fear version is all about kind of hope and like a new generation and like, you know, aspirations. Whereas the Lord version is like is more in keeping, I think, with where we are as society now, which is to say we're in a hellscape that we can't escape from. Yeah. Right. That's a, I mean, I really enjoyed that cover, actually. Um, what, what soundtrack was that on? It was on uh, one of the Hunger Games. Yeah, that's right. It was, was too, probably the yeah. best part of that entire series. Yeah. So I'm just Were thinking, you a fan of that show? Movie? Whatever it is? Series? The Hunger Games? I like the first yeah, one. Yeah, were you into that? <laughs> the, with with the, the nonstop shaky cam that made the Born Identity look like a Clint Eastwood film? <clears throat> <clears throat> yes the first i mean look the first one was good because it was something different but then i don't know i just i like it when it's called battle royale <laughs> fucking yes battle royale is sick yes it was much better and it was the same premise yeah it was and they did it first um no effects have covered a lot of fucking songs there are so many fucking songs here so you have to pick one what is your favorite no effects cover song um I mean, they did Hey Jude by the Beatles. Um, okay. Which is like fucking polar opposite. 
<laughs> I can only imagine. They did. I got a feeling oh, you know my what? black-eyed peas. Well, uh, I don't think I have any interest in seeing <laughs> that. But we should. But speaking of covers and Fat Mike, I mean, uh, me first and the Gimme Gimme's. Every song of theirs. Every song of theirs. But especially um, science, fiction, uh, science fiction double features. Yeah. Fucking amazing. That's a great, great punk rendition of a classic song. Right. Oh, actually, you know, it is a really good cover. A little bit more recent was Marilyn Manson's God's Gonna Cut You Down. That's true. That's true. That is a great cover. A- actually, I think I think I would argue that Marilyn Manson is probably the, the king of cover songs. Oh, yeah. Like- I've never... I've never heard a song that he's covered that hasn't been absolutely amazing. No. And I know you don't love Cat People quite as much as I do <laughs> with Shooter Jennings on it, but I loved it. And frankly, like, I actually, and I love Depeche Mode to the point of having a Depeche Mode tattoo on me, but I actually think his cover of Personal Jesus surpasses the original. I think so too. I think you're absolutely right. It's on that. great. Yeah. Fantastic. He's a fantastic cover artist. Um, almost like you could build a great Manson album just of his covers. Oh, you could. And in fact, has he released? In a fact, cover I song? think no, he should though. But I think if you ask Mistress Ophelia real nicely, maybe she'll make a Spotify list of some of the best cover songs and share them on our Instagram so that you guys at home can listen to our top picks of cover songs on your own time, and maybe you can tell us some songs that we missed. I'm sure there's heaps. Yeah. Yeah, we well, we should make that like a um a collaborative playlist. Everyone can add to that'd be fucking cool. Yeah, that'd be rad because it is all about community. It's all about reaching out, reaching across the aisle of the internet, and making friends from across the globe, learning new things, being turned on to new songs. For example, I just learned of a new thing uh, this weekend, which is uh, what an e girl is. <laughs> yeah. So would you like to explain it to everyone? Because I was I was flabbergasted by uh, having not heard of this phenomenon before. But I'm old, and I no longer watch and listen to new things. So explain. you're way more hip than I. You always bring some cool uh, information to the podcast that I'm not quite familiar with. So why don't you let everyone know exactly what an e-girl is and when you first realized you were one. I'm not a fucking e-girl. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even wearing makeup right now. I think I have like you one have, and a half eyebrows. You have hearts. You do have hearts under your eyes. I do not have. Fuck. The only thing I have under my eyes is fucking bags. Bags under but my eyes. Chanel, so it's okay. <laughs> one and a half eyebrows. You do. You do look a little bit like a Vulcan. No, but explain Hell. to everyone because I don't. What What is this e girl stuff? So. From my understanding, where well, I'm old as fuck, is that e-girls are essentially it, it's almost like the new the new scene girls, essentially. But it's more of a rar, rar, rar XD. Um, so it's sort of like the new scene, but it's more like an online persona. It's not something that generally bleeds into. Every day, it's not like a lifestyle. It's a look. It's an Instagram. But isn't that weird look. though? But like, why? Why wouldn't? Okay, well, I guess before I get into this question, like, what are some of the defining uh, characteristics that, like, if you are worried, if you're sitting at home right now, and Carl, I'm looking at you, if you're worried <laughs> that you might, 
that you might be an e-girl, why don't you let people know what are the, some of the, the symptoms of e-girlness, e-girl-eye that you might have to look out for to make sure you have not contracted e-girl-eye? Oh, my God. So chances are, if you see a photo of an e-girl, she's going to be, she's going to have colored hair, probably pink. And okay. they all paint fucking love hearts and shit under their eyes. And they're all rolling their eyes so far into the back of their head. They look like they've rolled them into another fucking dimension. They're okay, all like sticking the their tongue out. Copy that. They're all sticking their right. tongue out. You know that look that Billie Eilish does where she's like, ugh, she like pulls one eye down, like her bottom eyelid down, like no. sticks her tongue out. They all do that. No, but I do like her bad guy song. That's a good song. Bad guy? Yeah, it's like her first big single that came out. No, that was Bury a Friend. Okay, well, but but Bad Guy is one of her songs, Yeah, it's right? fucking dog shit. She wrote one good song and it was Bury a Friend. The rest of them suck. Um, I like that song. Yeah, you're It's great. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> get, get the fuck out of here. Go get in the bin. In the, the chickens. Fa- I have photos. And the spiders. Of, I have photos of me I know you do. I've seen them. <laughs> yes, um, so, yeah, it's essentially like new scene, but online only. And I don't get it. They're all like, ooh, ooh, like fucking, it, it's, it's, in a sense, it's dangerous because they, it sort of panders to, panders a lot to that daddy dom culture online, which I fucking hate with a passion. Um, People are frantically ch- searching the internet now for all the times that you've said daddy online. <laughs> daddy. And it's going to be like a, a mix up me just being like, daddy, daddy, daddy. Um, just this podcast alone. <laughs> Take a shot every time I say daddy. Um, but it's like, I mean, cool. Yeah, like daddy doms exist or whatever. But there, there are some that can be a little bit predatory, especially when these these girls, you know, they make out that they're a lot younger than they are. Some of them look like they're about 14 or 15, right? And sort of have like, oh, like, like, you know, baby but, but like girl you're, I, I mean, persona. When I, when I look at, some of the images of them, they seem like they're derived from uh, anime. I mean, a little bit. And like, and like sort of like... Kawaii culture. Uh, there seems to be a pretty... Sty- uh, to me, it does feel like a lot of the imagery seems to be lifted from like Harajuku and anime and sort of like Japanese styling in that... Per- with, mixed with like... 2003 2001 to 2003 scenester like all sort of blended up and spit out right with a a healthy dose of mumblecore on the side yeah so it's i mean it's a little bit harajuku fashion without like the decora um aspect of it it's it's a little bit more minimalistic than that i guess like i get it but it just it's very yeah i don't i don't know how i feel about it well, the good thing is we don't have to feel any way about it because we're older <laughs> and we did a bunch of stupid things when we were young. So uh, who amongst us hasn't been called fashion core at some point in their life? Oh, my God. Do you remember Swampies? No. I don't know Oh, what was that an Australian thing? But I remember – do you remember Do you remember Deck? Fucking what? Like – Bitches love me, Deck. Do you remember Deck? No. Nah, nah. When you're like, oh, that's Deck. N- never have heard that saying in my life. I used to have a book – I used to have this book that was ironically written, but it was like it was like a definition or defining how to be a scenester. Oh my this god! Scenester, scenester for those young people out there predated hipsters, which predated 
e-boys and girls and there may have been something in between there but um it was this little blue book and it was like all and it was all it was ridiculous right it was obviously written in humor and jest but um it was all the ways that you at home could be a scenester and frankly i'm fine with e-girls and e-boys existing do your thing because i'm currently i currently have black nail polish on and i'm pushing 40 but like <laughs> i really think that we need to bring back the scenester look it is the 20s we need to bring back the roaring 20s don't don't do any of that don't do it i mean we've already brought back the uh the influenza spanish flu there's only the, the so influenza, much the epidemics there's only so much teasing and hairspray that we can deal with leave us shit I, I in disagree. the early 2000s Nah, I'm still recovering. Well, while you're recovering, I think that we should. um, uh, You mentioned to me that there was a quiz that you found. (laughs) I fucking hate this stuff. It's so cringe and terrible, but we're going to do it. So what is it exactly? Because you haven't even told me. I have no idea what we're doing. So the only reason I'm sure I thought this would be fun, a fun idea is because that's where you were wrong. Yeah, I'm probably wrong. So. This has come up on my Facebook about, I've probably seen it about 10 or 15 times from different people, this exact same quiz. So basically, it's without prompting you, I need to ask you a list of questions about myself. And you need to respond like the first thing that comes to mind. And see, how it's not only is it, okay. like, is it a getting to know you thing, but you need to see how much you it's actually It's how much you know. remember. Mm. Okay, well... That's gonna. This is gonna be a, a failure. <laughs> of proportions, but but go ahead. Here's, here's what we should do. Um, you ask me the questions, but then let me know. Like, did I nail it? Was I yeah. close? Was I cold? Was I way the fuck off? How about that? I'll scold you when you've been bad. All right, I'm gonna get a lot of spankings on this one. But carry on. What's the first question? What is something I say a lot? Hell yeah. <laughs> That is true. That is true. I've still got this person. Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. Um, it's another shot. Um, this person's... What the I've fuck copied... are you doing, you moron? That's that's something you say a lot when you're driving. Oh, what are you doing, you moron? Yeah, or hey, fuck yeah, face. That's pretty often. Um, you use the C word a lot. I don't use it that much. Yeah, fair amount. Right. To clarify, though, Australians use the word cunt as a term of endearment. That's true. Uh, you said hey. You say hey a lot, like at the end, you like as punctuation. Yeah. So, for example, uh, the Roaring Twenties XD are coming back. Hey. Yeah. Oh, that was good, eh? Okay. It's like being Canadian. It's like back alley Canadian. Yeah, but like back. That's 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 actually mostly what Australians are. <laughs> Just back alley Canadian. With less maple syrup. I fucking love maple syrup. Put that shit on everything. Okay. So so did I nail that? Get close. Yeah, I mean, I'm Neutral. surprised. I'm surprised you didn't say fuck, but I mean, that's that's easy. Everyone says that a lot. Like, I was trying to find something that's really like def- would define. Like, if I like if I said someone, hey, t- name someone who says fuck a lot, it could be a mile long. But if I said you know to someone like say someone who uses the word mad, the phrase mad cunt a lot, there would only be one person. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Um, what makes me happy? Um, what makes you happy other than me? Other than you. Okay. Let me think about this. Uh, coffee. Yes. Coffee makes you happy. Um, video games. Yeah. Those make you happy like Pokemon yeah. and stuff. Those all make you happy. 
Um, RuPaul's Drag Race, I would think right now, <laughs> oh, currently, yeah. would be at the very top of the list. Um, multiple orgasms in the evening generally makes That's you very happy. And uh, no, it's not. And um, <laughs> uh, let me try to think. I, I know there's like a, gotta be like one other thing that makes you really happy. Um, well, this is kind of this is kind of like a cheat because like I always sort of said it, but like specifically when you get Starbies. I love Starbies. Or Chipotle. Oh my god, I love Chipotle. Chipotle is right, my So how do I do? And I love the Chipotle kid. He's my son. You do love the Chipotle kid. He's That's my fucking true. son. And Japan, you love Japan. I love Japan. I love Japan so much. That's true. You got that woo woo. <laughs> I get the woo woo. Um, how tall am I? You are somewhere between five seven and five eight, depending on what day I ask you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm about, literally it I'm just literally myself. alternates depending on when yeah also depends on how tall i'm feeling that day you know yeah what i got stuffed in my shoes so what's my favorite thing i'm gonna to- start wearing those cuban heels <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna bring that back do it do it uh what's my favorite thing to eat damn what's your favorite thing to eat i mean falafel would certainly be up there baba ganoush would be up there um, we talked about Chipotle. That's certainly up there. Um, Monty's is probably super high on that yeah, list. Monty's. Donut Friend. Yes, Donut Friend. Am I, I mean, I think you'd probably like Veggie Grill, but I don't want to say that's like your favorite thing. I do like Veggie Grill. Um, but you do like Veggie. I mean, who doesn't? Um, and Dick. <laughs> Monty's, Donut Friend, and Pain. Yeah, there you go. That is the holy trinity. (laughs) That's yes, right, with peen at the top. Uh, I'll skip some of like the more boring ones. No, get through all of them. Let's go. Let's see. What do I do when I'm I'm not? I'm doing well right now. (laughs) What do I do when I'm not with you? Well, your whole life, because you're not (laughs) with me for a long time. (laughs) Literally everything. So literally everything (laughs) since the summer. So I win. That's true. That's, that's the best answer. You're right. Uh, if you okay, let me think about this though. If you were here or when you were here, what was something you would do without me? I mean, frankly, go to the bathroom is probably the only thing I could think of. Yeah, you don't need to be there for that. I like to maintain some mystery. Pretty much everything else we would do together, like, like you know, maybe hang out with Leah. But even then, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like that's okay, that's my there life. You go. <laughs> the answers are either everything or nothing minus the bathroom. <laughs> Um, what makes you proud of me? What makes me proud of you or are you proud of me? What makes you proud of me? Oh, I mean everything, but really like late, like I told you this morning, I didn't sleep well last night, which happens from time to time. And, um, you know, when you, you know, when you just don't get that, when you don't get that, that good sleep and you're, you're just, your day's off, you know, I didn't do any meditation the whole day, which is pretty unlike me. And um, I'm just kind of reeling. And then I woke up and I had to do some work, took the dog out, got to my computer, opened it up. I saw that you had sent me the newest episode of your series that you're writing and uh, and like a, not really a lookbook, but like a, a, an image to sort of uh, tie in with that. And I was just so proud of like how creative you are. And not only like lots of people are creative, but you're putting the work in. I mean, you've been working on the script for months 
right. really putting the energy behind it in. You take notes really well. You make the changes as you feel are necessary. You're willing to push back when you don't feel the changes are necessary, which is huge. And you're putting the actual work into becoming a screenwriter. You're not just the person who who no longer just says, wouldn't it be cool if? And, um, and amongst everything else, I think that that is so hard. And anytime as a creative person, you have to face the blank slate. It's to me the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. Like, um, like for me, for me as a, as a producer, or whatever, usually by the time I'm inserted into a project, uh, a lot of that work's been done. Right. Exactly. You know, it's really, I'm shepherding, I'm shepherding a creative, I'm like a, I'm like a creative midwife, <laughs> you know, seeing it to delivery, but, um, but to actually c- create and gestate and carry this idea and develop it and put the pieces together, that's the hard lifting and to see you do that uh, and, and to see that being a passion that you're actually following is something that I'm immensely proud of. Oh, my heart. Oh. <laughs> um, All right, what else you got? Uh, what's my favorite movie? Fuck, I don't even think I know the answer to this one. You tell me. Your favorite movie? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know, I don't think. I probably have I've never 10. really heard you talk about like... Yeah, like I, I, I'm trying to think of like a movie. You don't like. I'm trying to think of a movie that you watch like all the time, and I can't really think of one. Like you'll just get, you're just like that person who who will want to watch a movie at one point, and you'll be like, I'm gonna watch this movie. I'm like cool, but like I can't think of like that one that you watch all the time. I'm sure it exists. I mean, like if I had to pick, like my favorite horror movie of all time, it would probably be Return of the Living Dead Three with Mindy Clark. That's okay. Yeah, that's true. You did talk about that the other day. It's fucking awful, and the special effects are terrible. But I love it. Love it. Uh, you like you like that Gunther movie, Finding Gunther. You showed Gunther me that movie. Gunther was fucking sick. That that movie did not get enough credit. Like that movie was fantastic. Now, see, it was really good. But see now, if you had said to me, uh, "What is my favorite series?" It'd be Death Note. Yeah, that's my favorite anime series. I don't know what my favorite, like, normal TV series is. RuPaul Drag Race. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, fuck, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed... Okay, so I think I should... Go ahead. I really enjoyed Dexter a lot. The ending was fucking Oh, that's true. Good. Yeah, you're talking about that. True Blood. But you like True Blood a lot? You mentioned talk like about that. that all the time. See, I don't think I even finished that, though. Like, that went on for so long. Like, I have an attention span of a six-year-old. So it's, I, true. I do find series hard to watch sometimes, unless I'm watching it with someone. Like, I really liked American Horror Story for maybe, like, the first... Which seasons? I, enjoy, I really enjoyed season one. And then, what was season two? Season two was Asylum. Asylum. That one was mm-hmm. fantastic. Season yep. three was Coven? Or was it... Yep. Was it Freak Show? Nope, it's Coven. Nope, it's Coven. I liked Force Coven. Freak Show. Coven was good. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah. <laughs> I know you feel a certain type of way about that, that season. <coughs> Which one? Coven. It, it was just, it was, it was like, my issue with Coven was that it wasn't scary. And I wanted to like it because I have an interest in the occult and witchcraft. But it was like, it was just a teen drama 
you know, like it, it had lost all of the sense of scariness from the yeah. first two seasons. And it was really just like a teenage drama, which I don't give a fuck about. Yeah. And um, it also spawned this whole uh, look, whatever, do your thing. But like it spawned this whole like mall witch phenomenon. And all these people who are claiming to be the superior, the supreme, mm-hmm. you know, which is a fucking term that the show made up. But these, I saw so many people who were like, "Oh, I've got generations of witchcraft in my family. I'm the supreme." I'm like that shit was made up by Ryan Murphy like three years ago, <laughs> you know. So, you know, do your thing if that's what you're into. But yeah, it wasn't my favorite. Like, but okay, look, I-, I think that I should get a passing grade for that question because if you don't, if you don't even know the answer, yeah, exactly. Then exactly. Uh, how would I? Yeah. Okay, um, all right, next question. If I could go anywhere, where would I go? Japan. Japan. Well, okay, no. First off, you're, if you could go anywhere right now, it would be come home. Yes. And then I think second to that would be Tokyo. 100%. 10 out of 10 scorches okay, would go to Boom. the US and then Japan. Japan's okay. best. I've what already, else you got? I've already been there three times. It's great. Uh, how do I annoy you? <laughs> how do you annoy me? Let me count the ways. No, you're not. You're not really an annoying. Oh well, okay. <laughs> uh, there we go. No, it, the only thing is, is that you don't have a great like um, attention span and listening sometimes, <laughs> and uh, and and I think your more wild lifestyle in previous lives has rendered your long-term memory <laughs> somewhat deficient. So I find myself oftentimes having to re-remind you of things um that that you swear i've never told you but i've actually told you like seven times that day so i wouldn't it's it's not like a it's not like a it's not like a massive annoyance but it's definitely one of those things where like i generally don't like repeating myself but this is when you know it's true love when you're willing to repeat yourself 15 times a day because you recognize that your partner has the memory of a goldfish yeah look yeah Good times. Yeah. Uh, the next one was actually what's your favorite TV shows, but we kind of pushed past that. Um, yeah, we talked about all those. All right. You get a phone call that I'm in trouble. Who am I with? Mm. I mean, I, I really, you don't hang out with that many people. So oh. I want to say Leah. <laughs> I would say, I wanted to say Sarah and Martin, but I actually think they'll keep you out of trouble more than get you into trouble. Oh. Um. And I don't see you really hanging out with Rob as often as anymore. And don't you don't hang out with that ex-roommate. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say probably... Well, I'm not even Leah now, though, because Leah's, uh, she's on the she's on the good the good path. You're no longer the... Uh, the uh, what was the, what they used to call the, uh, the toxic... The toxic twins? You're no longer the toxic twins. <laughs> the, I don't see a lot of um, fireball in, in your future <laughs> when hanging out with Leah. So no. I guess... Honestly, it's probably me at this point. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you look, you're probably right. End up down the back of... Well, Indecent exposure is a hell of a drug. Where did we end up that night when we were looking for that secret BDSM club? And we ended up, like, near this fucking weird abandoned, oh, like, building and... No, we were at Union Station downtown and, and the, that fucking idiot who runs that Fisher-Price My First BDMS Club didn't send out the address, so... Uh, we sat there in the rain waiting until finally I got someone else in the goth community to sort of let me know what the address was. And I was very pissed yes. and very angry. And I've since gotten banned from my Fisher Price, my first uh, <coughs> BDSM club, which I'm fine with because I would never go back anyway. Yeah, look, fucking two porta potties outside in the rain is not enough porta potties for that many people. Fuck. 
No. I was wasted. So I Plus, fuck. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of mixing uh, underground dwellings with tetanus. So no. uh, I won't be returning. No, no thanks. But we uh, we shall not name that club uh, in case any of those people are listening. Um, Soft leather. <laughs> God damn it. Um, what do I hate? What do you hate? Um, I, you don't have a lot of hate in your heart, but I mean, I would say like anyone who's deserving of hate, like your Republicans or like <laughs> shitty people, liars, like, you know, standard stuff like that. But like, you're not really, I mean, bad drivers. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, I know there's like a, fo- oh, I know what you hate. I know what you hate. You hate soggy food. Fucking wet bread. Like food that gets wet. Or like reheated food, like you can't stand it. It repulses you. Yeah, wet bread. Yeah, wet <clears> bread <throat> is like bread at the top of the list. Probably more than like wet bread is at your top of your hate list, and then it's like, you know, pre-made sandwiches, authoritative right right winged, <laughs> uh, despots. That's so weird. What a stupid thing to hate. I fucking hate wet bread, eh? What the fuck? I mean, listen, if that's really at the top of your hate list, that's not that bad, really. You know, you got a pretty good heart if that's kind of the only thing you hate. So, all right. What else you got for me? Um, What's my favorite alcoholic drink? I know what it's not. <laughs> it's just fucking fireball whiskey. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite? I mean, you, you usually drink whiskey. I do drink whiskey. And you don't drink Jack, which is weird. I drink Jack. Do you drink Jack? Yeah. I thought you always like preferred another one. No, Jack Daniels. No, maybe it is Daniels. Or, or, no, okay. So I normally drink Jack Daniels. When I'm in America, I drink Seagram 7. Yes, that's what it was. Yes. Yes. Seagram 7 and Because I thought it was really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Because I remember remember you telling me that. I was like, that's odd because everyone drinks Jack or Jameson. And you're like, Seagram's. Jameson is nice. do you. But Seagram 7, because you can't get Seagram 7 here. Okay. Uh, what else you got? There's only a How couple more, more questions. Are there? There's only a couple more. All right, two more. Um, Bring it home. Well, it's actually three. By a couple, I mean three. <laughs> sure. Aussie math. Um, Aussie math one oh one. Um, what gets my temper going the most? <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to repeat it because you sound like a robot. What gets my temper going the most? Driving. <laughs> Just me driving. Yeah, traffic. <laughs> Just being in the car. Well, okay, there's a couple of things. I would say uh, driving. Driving is probably right at the top of the list of gets you pissed off. And then it's when other people fuck with your stuff. Yeah, I don't like people touching my like, shit. Like you, like you show up to work and they've dumped out your food or tossed your your bendy box. What's it called? Bento box? Bendy box? And or like okay, listen. Your, your clothes up. Just... Your clothes have been thrown out, whatever it may be. Like you just don't like your shit being touched. That bento box was a mamashiba bento box I bought in Japan. You can't buy them anymore. And they only threw out the bottom section. What the fuck? I don't know. It's really sad. I'm sorry that they did that. It's rude. You offend me. You have offended my family. Yes. Okay. What else we got? Um, I don't know why. What's my shoe size? Uh, I believe it's a nine. No, it's not a nine. It's not? Eight and a half? I'm like an eight. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Depend. I think it depends. I think we look. Well, no, tell me right now. Go look at your what? What's your what's your shoe size in? Um, oh, because it's different in Australia. Doc Martens are. Is it a? F- 
are. It's a forty-three, right? No, it's a thirty-nine. Thirty-nine, but see, I think yeah, it's a nine this in America. Is, a, is it? Your sizing's fucked. Yeah, eh? a thirty, a thirty-nine in this. I used to sell shoes. A thirty-nine in America is a is a women's nine. A thirty-eight is an eight. A thirty-seven is a seven. Thirty-six is a no, six. So on and so forth. It's a U.S. ladies' eight. No, they're full of shit. It's a third. It's a fucking it says nine. It on the shoe. Well, they're wrong. I'm telling you, I've sold shoes for a long time. A 39 <laughs> translates to a woman's nine. Well, I know what America. the fuck. Cause I'm definitely so, not a size nine. Oh my god. I, in American shoes, you probably are. Maybe. Maybe maybe an eight and a half, depending. Listen, if it makes you feel any better, I'm between an eleven and a half and a twelve. So yes, we'll just, we'll just be the big foot family. Probably depends on what. Brand. Okay, what's the final question? Describe me in three words without using the word cunt. Um, damn it. That just <laughs> threw it all out. Um, beloved. Bow. Sassy. I'm sassy. I'm fat and sassy. And, and mad cunt. I said you can't say cunt. It's a, I didn't say the C word. I said the title, which is on the back of your jacket, and I'm allowed to say it. It's a phrase. Well... Jude's got it. my back on this. <laughs> yeah, Jude. I can so just imagine is... like Jude in his like bloody Georgian accent. He's like, "Ah, oh, see you next Tuesday." <laughs> He's like, "A dingo ate my baby." <laughs> yeah. Anytime I refer to you, that's what happens now because of your jacket. Which you should post a photo of yourself in that jacket and put it up on the uh, social media because as an American, people are going to be very angry that I use that word like three times on this podcast. So, so uh, I don't give a fuck. That's okay. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> People hate me anyway. It's fine. Just add, just throw more logs in the frame. <laughs> so that's it. I think all in, I did a pretty damn good job. I think so, so much so that we'd probably passed a visa test. Yeah, we probably did. So good for us. Yay. Yeah. So maybe we could just skip this whole interview thing. Just listen to the podcast. I've already answered the questions. You didn't even tell me them. You literally didn't tell me any of these ahead of time. I had no clue. So I think I did pretty well so far. Um, I would say we could play the game with me, but I think we're pretty much out of time. But maybe next week we'll do the reverse, right? Yeah. You can answer all these questions for me. So although it's a little unfair, you know, I'll find different questions because you've seen these and you'll have like a week to rehearse and that's probably not fair. So next week we'll we'll test Ophelia to see how she does with answering uh, the quiz about myself and take this time to think about uh, what songs that you love being covered by other artists. Uh, we'll post not only a photo of Mr. Sophia wearing her mad cunt vest, her battle vest. What's What do you call it? Battle scars? Battle, vest. battle something? Battle vest. Battle vest. Yeah. Battle cats. We'll see her wear her battle cats. And uh, we mm-hmm. will also post a playlist of cool covers that we can all share as a community and add to and let us know what we've missed let us know what you want us to talk about like does it what are the things on the show that really like you guys love because we're just doing this to help entertain people and ourselves mostly during this time that's kind of uh, uncertain for a lot of people so let's remember the lesson from today's card or today's tarot card and and find ways to rejoice with others even when it seems like we are being um, ostracized from social contact And for Dave and Ophelia, we will be back next week. Goodbye and good night. Hell yeah, Matt.